Friday, April the 10th. I'm Gareth Law. He's Paul Davis. It's episode two of Down the Divisions. It's good to have you along again as we take a look at the lower leagues in Scottish football. Thanks very much for the great feedback after last week's show. We're keen for as many of you to get involved as possible. And you can contact us at downthedivisions at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. You can now listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Pocket Casts, Acast, and all your favourite podcast players. Well, we hope you're safe, healthy and well in what are still pretty bizarre circumstances. How's yourself isolating been going, Paul? Tough, Gareth. I'm not going to lie. Both myself and my wife working out of one house, around one dining table. It lasted probably a day and a half. I'm now in the kitchen. She's <laughs> she's in the dining room, and uh, I'm hearing from Monday on. We've got another ten weeks of this. <laughs> <laughs> this week we'll take a look at the latest issues surrounding the coronavirus and clubs down the lower leagues. Then we have our guest this week. He's a busy man. It's the Lowland League chairman, George Fraser. He's overseeing the West Region Scottish Junior Football Association's move across to the West of Scotland League. That's going to be the new sixth tier, or a new part of the sixth tier. That will see the completion of a pyramid in Scottish football for the start of next season, whenever that eventually takes place. As ever, we start the show with the Down the Divisions Decider. Can you name the year, Paul? You can be included in this. Can you name the year when Devon Vale won their first Highland League Championship? The Iraqi War started. Dirty Den, remember him? Returned yes, to EastEnders. And AC Milan beat Juventus on penalties in the Champions League final at Old Trafford. 1988. I'm probably in the wrong decade, am I? But I'm just thinking Dirty Den. Oh, no, wait, he came back in the 90s, didn't he? Did he? Give me them again. Devon Vale won the first Highland League Championship. The Iraqi War started. Dirty Den went to EastEnders. And AC Milan beat Juventus on penalties in the Champions League final at Old Trafford. And if you want another clue, the game finished 0-0. Oh, that's really done it for me. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going later. 1992. I was going to say, Paul, we're running out of tape there. Um, no, I've went for every decade there. 1992. We'll reveal all at the end of the show. So, the coronavirus has been dominating the world news, but also obviously having an effect on, on Scottish football yet again this week. We saw the Stenhouse Muir manager, Davy Irons. He's given his uh, whole wage back to, back to Stenhouse Muir. Um, the Airdrie director of football, Stuart Miller, has called for a league reconstruction. And, uh, well, it's, it's happened relatively recently to the, the podcast being recorded, but the SPFL have today come out and um, recommended that all divisions below the premiership within the SPFL should finish with all teams placed on a points-per-game uh, ratio. That would see... Partick relegated, it would see Stranraer relegated, it would see Dundee United crown champions, 
It would see Wraith Rovers crowned champions, and it would see Cove Rangers uh, crowned champions in League Two. Paul, what have you what have you made of all that? First of all, I'm not surprised that Davy Irons had his wages back. <laughs> a great guy, brilliant guy, one of the nicest guys I've met in football. The league set up, that's just a can of worms, isn't it? If I'm Partick Thistle and I am Stranra, I'm then asking questions why team number 42, which will be, I think, Breakin City, why are they not getting relegated? How can you decide that Dungeon 8 is getting promoted when we don't even know what's happening in the top flight yet? It's a can of worms. I said before, the only way I can see this coming to a conclusion is actually by just stopping it as is. It's the only fairest answer, I think, to it. I think there's going to be lots of legal disputes. And I think Partick Thistle have come out today and said they ain't accepting that decision. So, waiting game now, isn't it? Well, there's going to be a, a vote which uh, which will determine whether this happens. I mean, could could you see legal challenges if this was your business, if this was your football club? Would you would you be wanting to take this all away if you were in Partick's shoes, for example? If you're in Partick's shoes, it's going to come down to finances, isn't it? I've been at Partick Thistle. I worked at Partick Thistle for four years. I know the financial constraints that that club's been under over the, the last while. They will they will mount a, a legal challenge, I would have thought. They would, they would have to, I think they would need to, because I think it's got to be too big a financial effect on them. So that would be them going into League One. It, it, it'd be too big, I think it'd be too big a step. As for Stranraer, would Stranraer be able to afford the cost of taking that? I mean, that would be a huge hit into their budget for them if, if they weren't successful in an appeal. But there certainly will, it's certainly got to be lawyers involved in this without, without a shadow of a doubt. I guess one of the reasons for them wanting to reach a conclusion is so that clubs can actually receive some of the prize money that they would have earned if they'd finished where they are now at the end of the season. I mean, I think for even for finishing where Brecon will finish if this is voted through, they would be due £45,000. You've then got the League One winners, Wraith Rovers, they would then get £125,000. So, albeit there's, a, there's quite a difference there, you know, these sums of money, as each day goes by, as each week goes by, those, that, those sums of money are becoming ever more critical, not, not even to the day-to-day running, but to the actual survival of these clubs. And I think that seems to be one of the reasons for doing it down the divisions. At the top, you've obviously maybe got more, more factors. You've got TV money coming in, which, which is also going to play a part in that. And, and, and if the leagues are finished now and TV money hasn't got all they've paid out for, that, that becomes a secondary problem. But I think the, the, this, this, this money for finishing in the positions seems to be a key thing for a lot of these clubs. I can understand that. That's a decision I, I can understand because I had a meeting with the council today uh, via Skype and uh, the conversation was that they're under the impression that this is going to last another 10 weeks, taking us to 13 weeks in total. Clubs are going to need to, to get money money in, but it's whether the money that comes in for the likes of Partick Thistle and Stranra is going to be it's going to be a cash flow situation, isn't it? Because they will need that they will need that money. And it's a tough one. I, I don't know the answer to that. And if you know 
you've got somebody at the top of the tree like Neil Doncaster who's ultimately going to have to take a decision on all this. And I just actually think, and again, no disrespect to, to Neil and the guys, I still think there's a bit of let's keep our head in the sand and hopefully this is not going to take another 10 weeks and we can get some football played and then we it'd be the easiest, easiest solution to it all. If they could get the... If, if they could get the game played, the game's played in five weeks' time, they can get it all out of the way and we decide who the champions are of the, the, the Premier League, then there's no real questions asked, is there? But whatever way it goes, Neil Doncaster at the SPFL and the SFA are going to be the bad guys in this. And Neil's a good guy and I, and I, and I like Neil, but people are going to be calling for his job as well, I think, if, if this doesn't go the way that they want it. So... Unfortunately, I don't think time's going to be on Neil's side. I mean, you manage in the juniors, Paul. How does it apply down there? And, and, and what is the feeling in the juniors game at the moment? Do juniors managers want the season finished now? Is is there bonus money that, that is being relied upon? I know, and we'll come to this later in the show, there's, there's, a, there's something happening to part of the juniors at the end of this season or for when next season starts, but what about the here and now? What are people wanting? What's the what's the feeling? The here and now for me is it's finished. We've uh, we've not trained. I think this is maybe ooh, four weeks we haven't trained now. Three weeks, three weeks we haven't trained. I just don't see. I don't, I don't see why they would start it now, knowing that we're moving. It's absolutely it's pointless. Absolutely pointless in playing any games. Uh, we're probably going to need three or four weeks training under our belt to even get it going. So the consensus between everybody is it's finished, and you know you can even go the, the other side. Rangers today bring in the tractors and start digging up the pitch. So they're obviously not prepared to. They're, they're obviously thinking the season's over as well because there'll be no games or uh, at, at top flight. So if it's happening the way up there, down in the juniors, we've no chance of, of starting our, our games again. Just to finish off on the on the current kind of coronavirus consequences in Scottish football, a lot of clubs have signed up to. There's a new scheme called Donate a Ticket. I don't know if you've if you've seen it, Paul, but basically uh, they ask fans to use this website to donate the value of match tickets uh, for each of a club's remaining matches this season. Um, you do it to the website. There's no commission taken by the website. It's been set up purely to help facilitate this. Got to be a good thing, Paul. It's got to be a good thing if you're in a position to hand that money over to the club you support. But yet again, it's the football fan that's being asked to dig deep uh, into his pocket. Guys, people are losing their jobs. People are going on uh, 80% wages. It's a lot to ask of supporters at this time. I know people want their clubs to survive. I know people want their clubs to do well when we come out of this, but I think it's still a lot to ask the supporter. Great idea. Obviously, we touched on Stirling Albion eh, last in the last episode, how they've managed to raise. I think they're up to, they're trying to raise £10,000, they're up to 27000 at the moment, which is great. People have obviously dug deep for that. But as the months roll on, people are going to need that money. And I think it's a lot to ask of supporters. If you want to know more about that, go to donateaticket.com. Junior football is set for its biggest shake-up in its 134-year history this summer. 
as clubs from the West Junior section prepare to up sticks and decamp to a new West of Scotland league. The new structure will sit in Scotland's sixth tier alongside the East and South of Scotland leagues and below the Lowland League. Clubs interested in joining had until Tuesday, April the 7th to submit applications for membership. And central to all those discussions has been Lowland League chairman George Fraser, who's also general manager of BSC Glasgow in the Lowland League. I'm pleased to say George joins us now. George, thanks for being here. Perhaps, first of all, can you just tell us where we're at with all of this? Yeah, thanks, Gareth. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So we uh, currently have 60 applicants for the new league, which come from a a variety, mainly from the SJFA West region. I think we've got 63 in total. So all the clubs in the SJFA West region uh, have applied for for the new league. uh, And we have five other clubs from other organisations who, who have applied. Obviously now we, need, we now need to begin the process of just sifting through the applications, just making sure everything's okay. You know, there's nothing, you know, glaringly obvious that anyone's missed because what's important is we want everyone to, to realise, you know, what they're getting into and what, mm-hmm. what, the, what there's going to be involved in terms of criteria, etc. So it's just really, this is really a, a sort of a, a, an exercise and making sure everyone's on the same page for when we go forward. Once we've done that, obviously we can then talk about the organisation of the, the conferences or leagues or, or, and how we're going to do that in, in terms of with the clubs. But one thing to make clear is, you know, we, we plan to have all, all clubs at the same level mm-hmm. uh, initially in the first season, give everyone a fair and equal chance. This is what this has always been about. You know, we want clubs from all levels uh, to, to apply and give them all uh, a fair and equal chance to play at a level to which they aspire. So I think things will move a bit more quickly now in terms of, you know, what's happening, because obviously we all have a bit of downtime at the moment, unfortunately, of course. So it gives us a bit of time to, you know, get everyone together and get cracking on with the bureaucracy side of things, if you like, and getting things moving with it. So that, that's where we're at at the moment. So hopefully things will move a bit more, a bit more quickly now, Gareth. How big a deal is this? I mean, it's, it's putting the final part of the jigsaw into the Scottish pyramid system, some are saying, and, and, and surely that must be, that makes it a big deal? Absolutely, it's huge. I mean, it's, it's, I've, I've been quoted as saying, and a few people have been quoted as saying in the past, there's always been a glaring geographical gap in the west of Scotland. You know, obviously we have the, the east of Scotland League, we have the south of Scotland League. The north, I believe, you know, are looking at, uh, at ways of accommodating uh, teams in there as well into the pyramid. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge deal, certainly in the west of Scotland. It's a huge, it's a seismic shift, obviously, for junior football in terms of, you know, their clubs coming across. I can only liken it to perhaps the way, you know, the East clubs moved across en masse a couple of seasons ago to the East of Scotland League. But this is a bigger migration, if you like. You're talking about 63 clubs here coming across, you know. So I'm well aware of that. It's a big move for some of these clubs, you know. It's maybe a step into the unknown for some. However, I think we can't underestimate the importance of having this league in the west of Scotland. And the pyramid, you know, it, it sort of almost completes the pyramid, obviously, with, a, with the exception of the north, which is which is ongoing at the moment. Obviously, George, with the potential moving of so many teams you touched on there, how do you plan on accommodating these teams? Because it's, you know, I think I read in the, the, the Met statement that came out, was it 68 teams have applied? 
Yeah, 68 teams, Paul. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams. Obviously, you know, we've always said from the start, we'll take as many applications as as is needed or uh, the teams that want to apply. Obviously, and again, we've always stated that all teams will come in at an equal level next season uh, at Tier 6, much as the same as the model is the Easter Scotland used in their first season. So it will be split into however many conferences as is needed in terms of the amount of teams. So if you're taking a rough, you know, obviously at the moment it's, it's an equal number, 68, which would be four conferences or 17. I would anticipate. However, mm-hmm. that's still to be confirmed. I've still to speak with the rest of the boards on that. But, you know, it would seem a sensible solution at the moment, providing all the 68 teams fit in and are willing to go ahead with it. And I suppose, obviously, there's teams coming from the junior ranks. You know, I, I always use kind of Pollocks and Ock and Lex and Arthurleys of the world that are kind of been top of kind of Premier Leagues in, in their own division for a while. I take it they're happy with that. They know the rules. They know the setup. And, and coming across, that's just part of joining this setup, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we've always been very clear, Paul. We sent out a clear set of criteria at the start of this process, along with with application forms. So all clubs have had a good chance to to review that, have a look yeah. at it, and make sure that they're confident that their their own club meets that criteria. One one thing we were always very careful about was we, we never wanted to see anyone left behind, you know, in in, in the junior ranks. That that you know would be unfair, uh, I suppose, you know. So we had to make sure that everyone was aware of what was required and what 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 was expected almost when you join a pyramid league because I'm aware that there is a, a, a slight change in, in culture almost if you like you know for, for yeah. teams coming across so it's important everyone knew uh, the ground rules before they, move, they, they moved and I've always been open to, to questions and I've had a few clubs have contacted me with individual questions which I'm more than happy to answer and still am more than happy to answer. You've obviously had great success in everybody applying but has there been any negative comments has there been or is it down to your successful canvassing for want of a better phrase that has, that has encouraged a lot of them to move across because there's a there's a big ethos and tradition here that's actually coming to an end by this isn't there you know that i.e the yeah. juniors is going to be no more yeah I, I i'm certainly not naive enough to think gareth that everyone's happy uh, about it i mean i think that would be naive <laughs> to to be to be honest uh, i you know i know clubs as you say have a big junior tradition and, and they regard the junior grade as you know a, a historical one which of course it is and you know i've always stated this and i've continued to state it there, this was nothing against the junior grade at all this was merely filling a gap in the pyramid and that's why we put out the you know the, the process that we did because we invited applicants we wanted it that way we didn't want clubs who didn't want to come across to to apply that was so it was giving clubs the option you can apply if you want if you don't want to apply that's great no problem at all you can stay in the west region the sjfa no problem with that at all so it was important that everyone uh, felt feels welcomed whether they all do you know I, I don't know i mean as i say i'm sure there are clubs out there who may be thinking well I need to go because our local rivals are going or or whatever, you know, I think. So, as I say, I'm not naive enough to think that everyone isn't entirely happy with it. But ultimately, the the feedback overall I've had has has been really good. We touched on the the last show about, so we had, as you know, I'm involved in the junior club, but uh, we had had two meetings within the week. We had the Tuesday night meeting and we had the Thursday night meeting with the the new proposed setup and... uh, 
when we went to the first meeting through the, the junior setup, it was a case of, uh, you know, who's going, who's staying, or we're all going together. And, and it was very, we're junior men. I've only been in the juniors two years. So it was a fresh and exciting start for us. But then the Thursday night, it was, there was a meeting with yourselves and, and the way it was presented was fantastic. And there was, it was a clear vision of where we're going to go. But then there seemed to be a change of heart from from the juniors. All of a sudden, you know, teams are getting maybe a phone call saying, "I think you should you should take the West of Scotland option." And I have touched on it in the show. Uh, we said it was an olive branch put out. It must have been some olive branch that George for them. Uh, so there seemed to be a huge change of heart from within the space of two or three days. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you know we, we obviously there was a bit of dialogue, and of course the SFA were involved in, in this dialogue as uh, you know part of the, the the pyramid working group. Ultimately, Paul, we all wanted to get to the same place. I think you know maybe the two two organisations had different visions of how we were going to get there uh, in, in the early stages, and I think you know that maybe message was. Uh, maybe lost and everything else you know that was going on at the time because there was a lot of chatter between meetings etc I understand that and I, and I get that so you know I think what we did you know we all sat down and obviously came to, to, to a conclusion well listen this is where we want to get to this is what we want we put forward what we want the West region put forward what what they want wanted and it was just a case of seeing well okay listen you know what are you willing to give on, on both sides you know but we're happy with our position in, in terms of, you know, our uh, vision from the very start of this. You know, we we haven't had to deviate too much uh, from what we set out uh, at, at the very start. You know, so ultimately, I think we got what got we all got what we wanted, maybe in different ways. Yeah. But you know, and it's taken maybe a, a different direction of travel to get there. But I think you know we're eventually we're eventually there, and I'm sure hopefully it'll be be a success. You know, but you know. Like everything else, I'm sure there'll be teething problems as well. Yeah, you touched on the SFA then. What's been the like the transition like dealing with the SFA throughout the whole process? This from the top to the bottom. Has it been? Have they have they been in support of this? Have they been willing uh, to get this going, or is it just a case of guys you're going to need to try and get this sorted ASAP? Yeah, I think, you know, this process has been on for nearly three years now, Pyramid Working Group, and over that time, there's been, we've been nearly there, and then we've been miles away, and it just never seemed to get to a, a satisfactory conclusion, you know, it, we never seemed it was going to get there, and I think that culminated at the end of last year, I think, when it just broke down completely. It was clear that there was, you know, too many differences in terms of what everyone wanted. So the SFA have obviously been sort of piggy in the middle here, you know, trying to facilitate meetings and broker meetings and broker a, a, a viable solution. So, yeah, I mean, obviously we've had to run a lot by them because, you know, we'll be requiring a lot of them now in terms of, you know, the the bureaucracy of, of running the league and, yeah. you know, everything else. So we are, we are in constant contact with the SFA in terms of what we need now going forward uh, as a league, you know, and to be fair, up until now, they, they've been fine. Absolutely. You know, been support, very supportive. What, what does come next now then going forwards? Can you put a bit more kind of meat on the bone as to, I know we're all living in a world of uncertainty at the minute as to when football will be back, yeah. but, but how do things progress from here? Okay, so 
obviously, you know, I, as of today, you know, myself and uh, Dave McKenna from from the Lowland League, my, the vice chairman in the Lowland League, uh, we'll we'll just be sifting through the applications, making sure everything's fine, everything's okay, everything checks out. There's no outstanding questions, no outstanding queries. Just want to make sure everything checks off with that. We will then obviously have uh, we have a further meeting planned tomorrow with our colleagues in the, the East and the South Leagues, just to discuss a few a few issues regarding how it affects us, etc., and you know what we need to put in place for that. And obviously from there it kicks on into, you know, looking, making sure the rules are all in place, issuing the rules to, to everyone. And then obviously we'll need to look at the formation of the conferences for going forward. And once all that's done, we're just waiting for the resumption of football <laughs> and we can get started. What I see is that the good thing about perhaps the West of Scotland League, it's not restricted by anything that happened last season because all the teams are now coming across from the West Juniors, so we can we can kind of start as and when we get the go-ahead to do it. That that would be my the way I see it anyway. I, I, I recognise that the West Region have still to decide what's happening with this current league season, understand that. But there's nothing to stop us starting as soon as as feasibly feasibly possible with it, you know. So as I say, you know, at the start there, I think things will hopefully move a wee bit quicker now, and teams will see a bit more progress. Because I'm aware that the application process and all the talks have been it's been a long road to get here. But believe me, we're we're working very hard behind the scenes to get this moving, you know. And there's a lot a lot going on in the background to to make it happen. And in terms of you, you, you touched on there, obviously the Highland League have decided that. They brought their league to a conclusion. Your your league in the Lowland League, how's that gonna pan out? Are you just really waiting to see what's happened from the top down to find out what's gonna happen for the the rest yeah. of the teams there and promotions and relegations? Absolutely. We've got a kind we've got a different dynamic in the Lowland League, uh, to be honest with you. The Highland League don't have there's no relegation from the Highland League as it stands. So they really don't have to think about that aspect of things. We have to think about relegation as well. So whatever we, you know, say at the top, I assume we're going to have to, you know, be fair and equal across the full league and do it from top to bottom. So we obviously have that issue to, to, to consider. But mainly the main thing to consider, we need to wait and see what the SPFL are doing because obviously it affects your champion club, yeah. whoever that may be at the end of the season, and going into the, any potential uh, promotion playoff with the Highland League, of course, firstly, and Team 42, ultimately uh, to get promotion into the SPFL. So we need a bit of direction from the SPFL. So from that point of view, yeah, we, we're kind of in limbo at the moment, Paul. It's not as, it's not something that we can make a definitive, clear-cut decision at the moment. We, we need to wait and see what's happening above us before we can then take a view on it. We had a general meeting with our clubs on Monday there, and I you know, virtually told them the same thing You know, at this moment in time. I recognise everyone is wanting information, everyone's wanting to know what's happening, but Given the the unique circumstances we're in, you know, it's, it's an unprecedented time. I think any decision that we, we will make will obviously not please everyone, but ultimately, you know, it's a decision we've got to make with all the information to hand, and we don't have all that information to hand at the moment. Every club needs money to survive. Clubs will have players under contract. It's one of these ones, you know, there's still outgoings, but no incomings at the moment. Much the same as every other club, and I appreciate that. So I don't think it's any less important in any league, particularly. You know, I think each club, you know, cuts their cloth to suit. However, but they rely on that money coming in. So I think it's a difficult one for you know Scottish football as a whole, right across the board. Just going back to the whole the new setup in terms of licensing and and 
those kind of things is that still to be is that one of the things because I was wondering you know are you getting clubs applying for a league and then maybe costs of membership or having to get the ground up to scratch or you know that might then that might <clears> alter things a little bit mightn't it for them compared yeah. to where they've been coming from and suddenly yeah. something that to them that might have been viable might they might then suddenly get hit with something that they weren't expecting or is that going to iron itself out you know it's not going to be a, an overnight thing as well clubs will be allowed an opportunity to get their houses in order for the new setup uh, absolutely we, we've always made it clear well f- firstly to answer your first point you know again you know why that's why part of the reason we sent out the the ground criteria to, to clubs so they knew where they had to get to if they wanted a license We've always said that, you know, any any team that's coming into the league, we want them to be progressive and want them to work towards their licence. However, I'm not unaware that, you know, it places financial pressure on some clubs and not, I'm not, you know, going to say, you know, I need every club to, ha- to have a licence within a, a certain period of time. It's just not possible. It's not feasible uh, for some clubs. It'll take a long time for clubs to work towards it. However, we want to give them a goal to aim at in terms of their licence. I mean, we're quite happy if they say, well, listen, it's maybe going to take us, whatever, five years, six years, whatever, it doesn't matter. As long as they're working towards it and they, they aspire to get there eventually. You know, one of the things that I don't particularly like is to having teams in a, in a setup, in any setup, not just this setup, who what I see are blocking the system for teams who want to progress. You know, you can get that, you know, you get blockages where teams are just quite happy to sit where they are. But again, you know, I'm not. It's not expected of any club to to automatically go for a license because I'm aware of the financial constraints, particularly now as well. You know, that, that's totally totally understandable. You know, so that's why we were clear at the start. You know, we gave clubs a copy of the criteria that is based around licensing for, for their ground, for instance. Of course, there's more beyond that in terms of uh, of licensing, you know, the administration of clubs, etc. So there's, there's a lot to take on board, and there's no way I would expect every club to, to suddenly say, oh, yeah, I'm going for my licence, because it's just not possible. And But we're quite happy, and more than happy, to for as long as it takes to work with clubs to, to get there uh, eventually, uh, whenever that may be. Obviously, we're talking about the Lowland League here, but your main job, if you like, uh, yeah. is uh, looking after BSC Glasgow. Some, you know, yep. in amongst all of this, uh, just tell us about that. I mean, it's it's it's, uh, it's some story. I, I know there was the the structure beneath the Lowland League team there, and it's been yeah. running successfully for a, for a good while now. But just, I mean, tell us about your involvement with it. Take us back to the beginning and and, and yeah, how yeah. it's it's gone from from where it was to where it is now. Yeah, I mean, listen, I started back with Broomhill Sports Club in 2005. My son went to play football for them. And like any other football club, you, you, if you stand around long enough, somebody will grab you as a volunteer eventually, you know, and uh, you get sucked in after that, and that's that, you know. And that's what happened. You get sucked in, you get sucked in, you know. So I had a lot of involvement uh, with, with the, the youth club side of things, you know, for, for what, eight, nine years into uh, that side of things. Then obviously in 2014, the opportunity came up, extra places within the Lowland League, and the club, the club decided to apply. And 
luckily enough, we, we, we were accepted in 2014 as a, as a senior team. It's a massive jump for us. There's no no bones about it. You know, to go from the level we're at to, to this level now is was a huge a huge leap, and we had a lot to do in a short space of time in order to get a team together, for instance, get a ground to play at. You know, so there was a lot a lot to take in take on board so in many ways I can understand where a lot of clubs are coming from when joining this new league so I, I you know I'm not unsympathetic to a lot of club plights if you know what I mean so I know uh, where, they're, where, where they're all at at the moment so yeah in 2014 obviously we were accepted into the Lowland League and to be fair I think we progressed year on year first year we won a trophy we won this, the South Region Challenge Cup in our first season and after that you know we, we've seen we've gone from strength to strength we've had a few managers not too many but our current manager Stephen Swift who was manager at Kilburnie before before he came came to us has done an absolutely remarkable job in terms of player recruitment where they're at, style of play, everything, you know, culminating obviously in getting to the fifth round of the, to the Scottish Cup and a, a dream tie against uh, Hibs. So it's been a bit of a whirlwind in the last sort of six years in terms of when we became a senior team. But I think the progress we've made in such a short space of time has been absolutely phenomenal. And obviously our main goal was to get into the SPFL, you know, and we'll continue to, to strive for that. And we know it's not easy get- given the level of calibre of players in, in our league and the, the level of teams now, because the Lowland League is getting better year on year. But it's the ultimate goal for us to get there, and we'll, we'll continue to strive for that. So, yeah, it's it's been it's been a quite a journey for us, you know, in a short space of time. I think one of the things that the, the Hibs game maybe highlighted <laughs> was the fact that you don't play at a home ground, that you, yeah. you, you, you share and you use Alloa's ground. What you'd have done would have been pretty remarkable had you had your own base to do it when you're having to ferry everybody through. How how much of a challenge has that been, and and where are you now? I know you've you've been quoted in the past saying you you're trying to find somewhere closer to home. How are those two things kind of work? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a huge challenge. First of all, to your first point, you know, playing playing in Alloa. And first of all, I would point out Alloa, a fantastic club, looked after us really well. You know, we have a great we have a great relationship with Alloa. It's absolutely fantastic. However, it's not in Glasgow, obviously. So the problems of building a fan base have been challenging, shall we say. You know, it's been really difficult. You know, we, we obviously we try to engage with local uh, local community in Alloa. And we've seen a wee bit of an upturn with that, but Aloha's crowds aren't, aren't fantastic either. So, you know, it's difficult for us as a second team almost playing there to, to, to build a fan base. So the logistics of it, you know, Aloha are great in organising the Scottish Cup tight. That that was absolutely fantastic. They, they gave us a lot of help. So, you know, they were really good. But in terms of being there and manage, trying to manage a game at someone else's ground of that magnitude is difficult getting the fans through, organising travel organising different buses etc but the turnout we had was fantastic you know, from our own club and you know, the, the local community, it was great in terms of our, our own place yeah of course it's, it's well known we'd love to be back in Glasgow we've been so close so many times to getting somewhere uh, only for to have the rug pulled from under us at, at the last moment and that's been down to a number of factors, mainly because 
I'm trying to say this in a, a, a politically <laughs> correct way. Diplomatic way. Aye, aye, exactly. But, you know, we've not had a great deal of help from the local authority in Glasgow. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. We, we, as I say, we've been close on a number of occasions to getting somewhere. But that's been pulled, the rug being pulled for, from under us. Of course, we then you look at, you know, doing it privately on your own, buying a piece of land. But the cost of land to build a football ground in Glasgow is just, it's, it's astronomical. Some of the places we've looked at, some of the prices we've been quoted is just like SPL clubs would, would struggle to, to do it, you know. So it's it's fr- hugely frustrating. It's not what we where we want to be albeit with the caveat, Alwa are a fantastic club and look after us really well. However, we need to be back in Glasgow. That's just a simple fact. Economics dictates that because being realistic about it, the more fans we get through the door, the more money we can generate uh, and then the more successful we can become. You know, that's just that. It's just facts of life in football in Scotland. So, yeah, we're, we're determined we need to get back to Glasgow at some point. When that may be, I don't know, but it won't stop us, you know, keep, keep on looking. It's one of these situations where something will come up eventually. We just need to be prepared and ready to go, and, and I think we are. So it's just waiting for that right moment and that right opportunity. I think that story itself is, is good for the 68 teams that are potentially going to go into the West of Scotland League because it shows them that, you know, you don't need to be one of the big clubs to do it. You can do it if you, you put the blood, sweat and tears in and uh, you won't be far away. I, 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 listen, Paul, I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that. You know, I mean, you know, obviously, if you said to me six years ago, well, you'll be playing Hibernian live on telly in the sixth round of the Scottish Cup, I'd just laughed at you, to be honest with you. Yeah. you know? But there'll be teams now within the 68 clubs who, in six years' time, will be in a similar position to us. I, I'm firmly convinced of that absolutely convinced there will be there will be a team or two teams whatever how many teams will be in a similar position to us in six years time and as you say it's all about you know and I know all these clubs already do it put the hard work and the sweat and the, you know the tears into it you know I know there's hundreds and hundreds of good people uh, at these clubs volunteers putting the same amount of effort as we do in at BSC so I'm sure if they just continue down the same road the same road you know there'll be clubs in a similar position to us in six years. I firmly believe that. I think this is the right move for these clubs. I think it's the right thing to do. And I think it's the right thing to do for Scottish football, more importantly, I think. I think that is important there, yeah, because, you know, you've got leagues below, it's now going to start producing players all the way up. It's fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think, you know, that would be my ultimate message. It's for the good of Scottish football. It's not for the good of anyone. It's not for anyone's personal gain. It's not for any league's personal gain. It's for the overall good of Scottish football. And and, and I firmly believe that. And I've said that from the start. I think this is vitally important. If we want to have a proper pyramid, if we want to put pressure on the SPFL to open up and increase relegation spaces, we have to have a proper pyramid in place underneath it. And this is a huge step towards that. How are you set up with the coronavirus at the minute in terms of, you mentioned economics, how are you dealing with that at BSC Glasgow? Well, listen, I'm not going to lie, we were incredibly fortunate to have the game against Hibs not that long ago, Gareth, so we're probably we're probably in a better position than, than a lot of clubs, and I'm, I mean, you know, in a fortunate position, I won't say anything, you know, it's... 
we we we, do, we recognise that a lot of clubs are struggling. However, we are, we are okay at the moment. We're okay. Uh, we're, we're fortunate to have the good run in the Scottish Cup, and that that should that should see us through. That should sustain us, you know. But I do recognise that a lot of clubs are really struggling at the moment. Uh, this is a time when we, we all need to pull together, you know, and and, and help each other out because nobody wants to see any clubs struggling or going under, which you know has been talked about. Uh, but in terms of BSC, yeah, we are okay. We're okay at the moment. You know, I think we'll, we'll come through it okay. We'll come through to the other side okay, Gareth. Tell us about that day with Hibs. I was covering the game for the paper that day, and I remember the storm. can't remember which storm it was, but, <laughs> but I remember waking up on that morning and thinking, oh, I know it's a plastic pitch, but I think I think Allaward had a game called off when there'd been water sitting on the plastic pitch a couple of weeks before, I think. And, and tell us, I mean, what... Were you kind of lying awake all night before that, you know, <laughs> concerned, thinking this 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 dream date's maybe not going to happen tomorrow, or I'm determined to make it happen? Gareth, I was sweating <laughs> because it was, it, was, it was live it was live on telly, <laughs> so I'm there thinking obviously there's TV money involved, so I'm I'm sitting up the, the couple of days leading up to it, I'm going ah, this there's no chance this is off. I just, I just looked at the forecast. We had a small meeting of the management group on the Saturday to, to go over the final preparations for the game on the Sunday. And we were just sitting there looking at the weather going, well, there's absolutely no chance. Because I was looking at the weather for the, for the Sunday morning and I'm thinking... God, you know, I think you're thinking, oh, you know, what if it, you know, goes to another date? Will they show it in the telly? Will they do this? You know, and you're because it's, yeah, it's a financial financial loss for us. You know, everyone was prepped and ready to go. You know, so I listen. I'm not going to lie to you. Saturday night wasn't a comfortable night, <laughs> uh, and even when we woke up on Sunday morning and it was blowing an absolute gale, and I'm, I'm looking at it, going, listen, we just need to go to the ground. But I'll tell you what, see, as we drove through to Arlo, I actually wasn't as bad <laughs> as it was made out. And actually, when we got to sort of game time, of course, the next big problem was when the referee arrived. Because I'm following the referee about the park, thinking, right, OK, what's he going to do? Because I want a quick answer, you know. So you're following about the park, and I'm trying to convince him and convince myself that everything's fine, <laughs> you know. <laughs> because the first thing he said, well, you need to put a ball in the centre circle, and if that moves, right, that's it. You know, we've been told the game's off. So the ball's <laughs> sitting in the centre circle and you're, everyone's looking at it going, just don't, just stay where you are. With blue tack <laughs> on it. <laughs> well, it did cross my mind, to be honest with you, you know. So well, everybody's looking at this ball in the middle of the park, you know, and you're going, just sort of willing it just to stay where it was, you know. Fortunately, it was fine. They said, ah, listen, the game's fine to go, no problem at all. It was very windy, I have to say, you know, but... The weather actually wasn't bad, that bad as it had been previously, and it actually deteriorated later on after the game. So maybe the gods were looking down on us a wee bit in terms of getting the game played. But the game itself was was fantastic, a great occasion. We didn't disgrace ourselves. I think at two one we had actually a chance to go to make it two each. Thomas Collins had a great chance to make it two each. Sadly, it uh, pulled it wide. And ultimately, Hibs Fitness just told in the end, you know, they, they finished the game strongly. They get two late goals. But I think your one fear you've always got when you get into games like this is like, oh, I don't want to get an absolute tanking because it's just, it's not great. But we didn't disgrace ourselves and everyone had a great day. Hibs were really good with us after the game. Gave us a full set of strips for the boys. They swapped all their jerseys. Oh, you know. uh, uh, so everyone got a memento of the day. But uh, the leading up to the game was was pretty tense. <laughs> I have to say it was it was it's not something. Listen, 
this is going to sound ungrateful. It's not something I'd want to go through again under those circumstances. Under normal circumstances, it would have been great. Yeah. But it kind of tempers Just your take sort the cash. Of, <laughs> I, I think that, well, listen, I, absolutely. That's what it can do to, let's be honest. <laughs> Everyone would say the same. Listen, it's just as soon as that whistle, as soon as the whistle went and we kicked off, and I'm thinking, right, they can't cancel the telly now. That's it. Sit back and enjoy it. Listen, it was a great day. Great for the Lowland League. Great for the club. Great for, for everyone involved at the club. Everyone, like we, we've said, you know, all the volunteers at the club, everyone who puts in hard work, we had, we had an enjoyable day and with a, an even better night. So it was good. Just wanted to ask you as well about your manager. I remember him as a player at Stranra. Yeah. He was, he was, yeah, he, he usually enjoyed a laugh when he was there. And Aye. it's been interesting to watch him from afar make his way in management. And I interviewed him before the Hibs game and he was telling me about how he'd, he changed, almost changed his approach to, to football. He knew he had to be a different kind of character. And yeah, there's the kind of the, the guy who enjoys a bit of banter, but you could tell now there's a there's a steely determination and a focus and a and a will to be the best manager he can be. That was that yeah. was what came across to me when I spoke to him. Is that, is that what you saw when you when you interviewed him and, and, and appointed him? Absolutely, Gareth. I don't think I've ever met anyone as driven and obsessed with football as, as Swifty, to be honest with you. He's incredibly focused. The detail that he puts into every game in terms of analysing each game, analysing the opposition, he knows, you know, he's got every player is given a role. He's so driven and so focused, it's it's unbelievable. And of course, that obviously came across when we first when, when we first spoke to him. You know when he was cut when he was uh, leaving uh, Kilburnie, and that's obviously you know part of the attraction. I've got no doubt whatsoever, absolutely no doubt that he'll go into better things. He'll go into bigger things. You know he deserves a chance at a league club, and that's me not I'm not trying to get rid of him by any stretch of the imagination, but he deserves a chance uh, higher up up the ladder because he's no he's no doubt he's got the ability to do it. He's got the drive, he's got the determination, and he's got the will. I think what he brings to any team. Is, is phenomenal to be honest with you and he's been great for us in terms of everything recruitment training uh, the way we play where we've got to he's what he's brought to this club is has been a game changer to be honest with you you know he's, he's really changed the way that we've operated and i'm not sure you know we would have got to this level where we're at uh, without him just in terms of what you do off the park i mean you've got michael there who's yeah. seems to be kind of quite a big part of that is that something some clubs you could argue maybe disregard that side of things a little bit. Is that something yeah. you're quite keen on in terms of the profile out with the 90 minutes on a Saturday that you get by having somebody there who does that side of things? Absolutely. Michael Park does an absolutely phenomenal job for us. He's, 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 he's great. Our social media is, is top class, you know, and I, obviously I'm biased, but, you know, everything towards is geared towards everything he does is, is great. You know, the, 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 what I would say, the great thing about us, we don't take ourselves seriously, Gareth, you know, and Michael, you know, he doesn't take ourselves seriously. And I think that's sort of quite an endearing thing, if you like, you know, but, you know, yeah, that's a huge part of the club for us in terms of engagement, because we've got to do all we can to engage with people, given our circumstances and where we are. We, we've got to really be sort of on top of that all the time. Because, you know, where we're in Arlo, we're trying to build a fan base, we're trying to engage with people. 
So for that point of view, that's vitally important to us. And I think it is, you know, it's vitally important for the Lowland League as well. It gives us the, the whole league a boost, you know, in terms of publicity, etc. So, yeah, I would say that side of things for any club, uh, you know, is, is, is vital. People want to know what, constantly what's going on. People want to know what's happening, etc. And we do our best to try and do that and you know, try and make it a bit fun as well. You know, I think that's important as well. But yeah, I, I, that side of things is huge for us, Gareth. Absolutely massive. Do you ever wonder what you might be doing if you hadn't taken your boy along to training that one night? And... <laughs> <laughs> I, all, all the time. <laughs> all the time. I kind of, it's like it's one of these, it's like film sliding doors, isn't it? You know, it's like what would have happened, you know? And listen, it wouldn't be, we certainly wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, that's for sure. I think they went down a different route. But yeah, listen, it's something I look back on now and I'm incredibly grateful for. I think it's given me so many opportunities to get involved. Listen, we all want to be, we're involved in something we love and it's something we, we, we love doing, you know? And I'm sure I would have been involved with some with football at some at some level somewhere. However, this has just given me the vehicle to, to, to really enjoy things, you know, and be involved in something we, we love doing. And again, you know, getting to the involvement we're at now uh, is, is phenomenal for me. I just I love doing it. It's, it's one of these things that it's a labour labor of love, so to speak, you know, it's, it's great. It's absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, it's, I'm incredibly grateful that <laughs> yeah, I took that decision uh, that night. And it's, it's something that will love me forever now. Is your boy still playing? No, <laughs> joking. No, <laughs> he, he, he found he found drink and, and women. <laughs> uh, no, he's uh, no, he's he's given up. So, uh, but uh, that's one of these things, isn't it? The young boys find different uh, different interests at, at different ages. So, yeah, it's, uh, nothing. No, no, no pressure on him there. You know, he's quite happy doing what he's doing, so that's fine. <laughs> Well, thanks for thanks for joining us, George. We uh, we appreciate you coming on the on the podcast, and obviously we wish you all the best for for the new uh, West of Scotland setup and and BSC Glasgow for when the when the season resumes or when the new season starts, whatever happens. Um, yeah. I think I think it sounds like you've got quite a busy summer, whether whether football is on or off. No problem. Thank you, guys. Cheers. So good to hear from uh, George Fraser there. Some interesting answers, I think. And uh, please get in touch to let us know what you think about some of what he's said. Again, the email is downthedivisions at gmail.com. And so just to finish off this week's show, we're going to tell you the answer to this week's Down the Divisions Decider. Just a quick recap. We're looking for the year that Devon Vale won their first Highland League Championship. The Iraqi War started... Dirty Den returned to East Enders and AC Milan beat Juventus on penalties in the Champions League final at Old Trafford. Your answer first time round, Paul, was? You're only 11 years out. Was that? 2003, Paul. 2003. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and we'll speak to you next week on Down the Divisions. <laughs>